DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined by Frank Dolce, Union Insider and Analyst for The Zone Sports Network. Frank joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is underway. Take advantage of the Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hello. Hope you guys are well. Yeah, I'm feeling. We great, are well. Man. I did. I did 50 push-ups this morning, like uh, Westbrook does when he wakes up each morning to get his body in condition. So I am ready to go, Frank. How many push-ups do you do during the day or during a week? Would you say? Uh, let's see. I did them today. I did 50. So about 50. Would 50 also be like if you? took the last several weeks and counted up all your push-ups, would 50 still be the number? Yeah. What you're saying is, is 50 code for zero? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did 50 this morning. My pecs are feeling great. We're moving forward. So you did 50 today, and now we're moving forward. Now you can do 50 tomorrow or the next day. I mean, you're on a roll. (laughs) Thank you. I'm trying to get rid of the rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Man... Isn't that the dumb thing about getting old? I know. It's like you do double the work, half the result, and <laughs> triple the recovery time. I know. I graduated high school at 140. I couldn't put a pound on me to save my soul <laughs> when I needed it did then. Guys, did you guys happen to see this, the uh, series on Showtime called, uh, was it called Four Kings or The Kings? I don't know. Didn't see it. With... With Roberto Duran and Thomas Hearns and Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, I'm aware of them. Four-part series. What was it about? Well, I'm. Yeah, it was just about those four guys and their careers and how they intertwined. And uh, I would, I, I, I would highly recommend it. It's cool. like I grew up in that era, so yeah. I, I, it was kind of you know, hearkening back. But I, you just mentioned that you were 140 pounds. And I never knew it, but like those guys who were these unbelievable professional boxers, like they weighed in at like 140 pounds. Yeah. I, I, it just never dawned on me that they were that, you know, they were tiny, <laughs> tiny little guys. Uh-huh. I wouldn't get in the ring with them. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> well, 50 push-ups today, I mean... <laughs> Frank, there's a question on the minds of Ute fans everywhere. Having watched Oregon State run all over Utah, they're a little worried UCLA is going to do the same. Those two teams are ranked 1-2, Oregon State 1, UCLA 2. As far as rushing yards per game in Pac-12, among the Pac-12 schools, they are 1-2. and So is UCLA going to literally follow in Oregon State's footsteps? Well, they should. Uh, I mean... If I if I'm looking at the tape, then then I think that's exactly what you would do is figure out what did how did Oregon State block that up front and and then design as closely as you can your run game based on what the Beavers did because Utah just they just couldn't stop it they couldn't figure out how to stop it and I you know I I look at the scoreboard it was like they had 140 yards rushing in the first half and I just thought and Utah was up and I thought wait a second this isn't this isn't going the right way like this doesn't sound feel like it's going the right way and and then you know 
they just kept pounding the ball at the line of scrimmage. So I, I really thought Oregon State took over the game at the line of scrimmage in the second half. I thought it was a more even battle in the first half, and certainly Utah was having success on the offensive side. But uh, but, UC, but UCLA has a little bit different weapon at the quarterback position. So um, I, I said a few weeks ago the two teams that made me the most nervous about Utah's upcoming schedule were Arizona State and uh, UCLA, and then I put Oregon State third. Um, and so this is the big one. I think this is a really big matchup this weekend. Certainly a beatable team in UCLA, but they have they have so much talent and ability on the offensive side. If Utah can't figure out figure it out, then who knows? Maybe it just turns into a shooting match. I like the Utes in this game for a couple of reasons. Uh, Thompson Robinson has not been practicing. I don't believe they're as good as a passing attack because the Beavers did hit on some couple of throws there that made a difference. And I'm not sure that the Bruins can do that. And then also, the one thing that I've had time to think about this, and we had Nick Ford on, and he was talking about that you know he moved to center last season. Well, they didn't play in front of any crowds. It was like it was totally different. He's talking about this year. Uh, early on, he had some center exchanges uh, issues with the quarterback because he was hyped up. The crowd got him going, his adrenaline and all that stuff. He was gripping the ball too tight. And so I think what's apparent to me is that this team that we thought was going to be last year because they needed to reload after 2019 when they send, what, eight, nine guys, seven guys drafted, mm-hmm. nine, ten guys go to the NFL. And that's very impressive, right? Half of your starters basically are in the NFL today yeah. uh, when you include the 22. And so we looked at last year as a reloading year. And then they got, f- what, five games out there, but they were they weren't really anything close. You, you, there's no way you can equate playing in Provo to anything you did last year. It's just it's impossible. And there's no way you can equate playing at uh, Oregon State uh, like what you had last year. So basically what we thought we were going to get last year, we're getting an extension of it this year because all these young guys are having to get this experience. And you look at it, they're 4-3. and three. Interestingly, all three games that they've lost have been on the road, which is a sign of an inexperienced, immature team. And we thought they were past that. So I think I underestimated that. So as I step back and look at it through seven games, I can see where they're at this year because of what happened last year. If they had a normal year last year, then I wouldn't say it, but they didn't. So that's where they're at this year. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, uh, it, it certainly does give you a sign, a, a sign of the maturity of the team, uh, the road losses. I think they're getting close, and I think they've been close, but but they just it's it's like you have to win a messy game, you have to win a blowout game, you have to win a game on the road. I mean, these are all the things that help mature a, a football team, and so uh, that's the that it seems like that's the missing piece is the game. On the road now. Fortunately, I think for Utah, if you look at the if you look at the upcoming games, um, well, they have UCLA at home. They have Oregon at home. And Colorado. Um, so Stanford and, and, and Arizona away. Stanford and Arizona away. So so maybe you say, okay, Arizona. That's a that's a very gettable game. Yep. 
on the road. Um, Stanford, who knows what Stanford is? Exactly. I mean, Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what Stanford is? But you have three three games at home that two of your toughest opponents. So that's I think that's really yeah. that's, you know that's a good that's a good thing for Utah. But Which yeah, is why I think I, they're going to win the division. You do well. I, that, I do. Yeah. I, I, you know. I'm not. I'm not so far behind you on that. I mean, I think that's. I think that's a real. I think that's a real possibility. And if you want, if you looked at what Utah did against Oregon State, even with, you know, giving up the massive amounts of yards on the road um, against Oregon State, um, I'm not saying Utah should have won that game because if they should have won the game, then they would have scored twice from the right. one yard line, right. and and they wouldn't have given up a blocked punt. But they certainly had opportunities to win that game, even with. The you know the the really rough defensive effort against the run. So I like this football team. I like what Cam Cam Rising is doing. You know he's probably he, he would he would want a couple plays back in that Oregon State game. He missed a guy in the back of the end zone. Maybe that makes a difference. Who knows? But but uh, and 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 I like the way the offensive and defensive fronts have come along. I just. You know, I just happen to think that Oregon State's a pretty darn good football team, and they're really well coached. So as much as I want to say, well, Utah should have done, Utah could have done, I, you know, I think you have to give a little credit to, to Oregon State because of what they did and what they accomplished. That's a, good, that's a good football team. But I do like Utah moving forward. So I'm curious, and this gets pretty optimistic, so maybe it's just, you know, wishing for what you're going to see and thinking you're seeing it, but the first four games, the Ute offense wasn't very productive. And there's a lot of, if you go through their stats, there's a lot of games where they, uh, I mean, the first game against Weber State set it aside because they had their 450 yards against Weber State. But the next three games, you know, the offense is cranking out about 350 yards a game. These last three games, like 455, 468, 493 yards, if you're cranking out that kind of yardage every week, you're the number one offense in the Pac-12. Oregon State leads at like 445 yards per game. Do you think the Utes have taken a real step And what we've seen in October? They've achieved a level that they could not do in September. This is now who they are, because if it is who they are, they've got a chance to win these high-scoring games you're talking about, assuming... They don't have multiple problems in the red zone like they had at Oregon State, where they had them, but they still scored 34 points. And if they hadn't had them, then yeah. it could have been half a hundred, as the old ball coach likes to say. Yes, yes, yes. A wonderful phrase. So, I, I think that what we've seen out of uh, of this Utah football team is uh, glimpses of being like that good like if they play up to their potential like we saw in lots of lots of plays against USC half against Washington State maybe half against Oregon State if they play up to that potential then I don't see deficiencies I don't see any deficiencies like they can score a lot they can stop people Um, they're good in special teams so they should win a lot of games if they're playing at their highest level. But then, then the the other side of it is that you see, you, you actually see you saw two blocked punts. One got called back because number eight showed up twice on the field for Oregon State. Um, and and then you see this 
inefficiency at the goal line pop up. And then you see, you know, a 58-yard run pop up. So, uh, and that's that's not an A effort. You know, if, if Utah's playing at their A effort, I don't see deficiencies with the team. But, the, you know, the problem is they just, it's no team plays up to their A effort all the time. So Utah's going to have to eliminate as much as possible or limit, you know, the, the C effort, the average effort, um, or, or I, I shouldn't say effort. It's not, I, I don't want to make it sound like these guys aren't trying. It's, it's a C productivity, you know, below average productivity. If they get into that, then they, that they get th- themselves in trouble. But, but when they're, when they're on top of their game, I, they're, I think they're really good. Yeah, yeah. It's just that they have a level of inconsistency right now that they're mm-hmm. going to have to work through. And we'll see it. We'll see it over time. And they do need they do need some, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, seminal moments away from their crowd. You know, they got it in 2018. They got it against Washington on that uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and then and then and and one of the guys <clears throat> said to me as we we're walking off the field, "We don't, we've never had a win like this since we've been in this conference. This is exactly what we needed. Now we can take off." And yeah. from then on out, the next year they only lose one conference game, and they mm-hmm. run away. They run away with the division, and so I I think, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I mean, actually, Kyle said this on Monday. He said, you know, we're going to be okay in the long term. And to me, they're going to go in next year as a heavy favorite to win the South. And and it's going to be, in terms of the favorite, it's going to be like it was two years ago. But they needed this time to reload. And last year, and you can't really have uh, pity on them because last year was screwy for everybody. It's just that they were the team that lost so much the year before. You see what I'm saying? So the circumstances were different, and they'll come out of it. And and next year, I think they'll be really good, and they'll be okay this year. Just I think we just underestimated this developing process that they needed. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the youth of the team, um, the inability uh, to to understand who should be the the starting five up front, the, the quarterback issue, um, figuring out how to be how, how Utah plays at the defensive front, the defensive front seven, the defensive line, all of those things are. I mean, it's a young it's a young group. I think in one in one game this year, Utah had eight uh, under maybe eight freshmen, eight underclassmen on the defensive side um, of the ball in a in a game. Right. Uh, it's a, it's just a young, you know, it's a young and it's a developing football team, and so, and we don't. I mean, we we just feel like as fans, we're always like, well, you know, you just reload, right? And you just reload, and you just reload, and you know, that's that's so difficult. That's so difficult to do, and uh, and so I I you know what whatever Coach Whittingham has done with this this crew to get them back on track. Um, and to get to the point where where we can say like if this team's playing up to its potential, they're they're a really tough out. Like they're they're not going to lose many games when they're playing up to their potential. They could find themselves, you know, in a in a very nice situation at the end of the year. I think that's a tremendous coaching job. There were there were times early in the season where we thought, oh man, this Utah football team they may not get to 500. I mean, that, and that's an enormous turnaround to this point. 
Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback, join us. Talking about the Utah-UCLA game, and uh, I, am, I am curious in this one, when you look at the receiving group, how much faith do you have in the guys who are in the middle of this process PK's talking about to make big plays at big times, whether it's uh, Kincaid adjusting to this level of football, uh, Devon Vele's come on and made some plays, anybody else you've seen. What do you think about the ability of the receivers to make big plays in a passing game with the game on the line against a quality opponent like UCLA? I love the tight end group. Uh, and I, I don't know if, if Kincaid adjusted to this level of play. I think he's always been playing at this level. And now he's just he's just in the right spot. Like that that guy is really good. Keithy is really good. Fotheringham's really good, but because those other two guys are so good, you hardly talk about them. So the tight end group is fantastic. I think you you can rely on those guys to go make you play almost any time you need someone to make a play. And then um, and then the biggest surprise to me, the most pleasant surprise to me, has been the evolution of the receiving group. Coach Whittingham talked about all of the talent he had at the receiving group and three games in, I think we were still kind of scratching our heads like, where, okay, where are all these guys? I mean, you're talking about they've hardly caught a pass. You know, nobody's getting separation. Nothing's happening with this group. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you're, you're talking about Theo Howard, um, the guy that we thought we'd be talking about Solomon Enos, I think he just had one catch against Oregon State. Uh, and you're talking about guys like Money Parks. And, um, of course, we're talking about Britton Covey because every time he touches the ball, it's pretty exciting. Dixon. And I'm, I'm and, and Jalen Dixon, I, I know I'm leaving guys out. But, but so, so that's, I think to me, that's the biggest, that's the group that's, that has made the biggest impact, a, a group that we didn't, we weren't, we just weren't sure about, I guess, coming into the season. It was always my big question mark about the offense is, you know, what do they have on the outside? And I think they've demonstrated in several instances this year the ability to get separation, the ability to be very reliable in critical situations, and the ability to make a big play. Well, Frank, you go do some push ups. Oh, yeah. I do Get yourself ready for the game Saturday. I do at least 50 push-ups every day. My dad, my dad's an old wrestler. Like, and so he, I think he still does like 100 push-ups a day. <laughs> like, that's his thing. Nice. When he was, when he was in his rest, wrestling career, you know, when he started in high school and went through college and everything, and he, he was doing like 1,000 push-ups a day. Wow. I know. Marshall I never Walker got to here. that level. I've always felt a little bit lacking because I've never reached the level. <laughs> My dad, you need to talk to Ron Boone. You need to talk to Ron Boone. Booner always said after 50 push-ups, you're just showing off. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah well, I heard him say it multiple times. So That's why people that's, gather around me at the gym. After 50, just showing off. That's a quality statement. I, you know, Hersh- Herschel Walker was always the one who's like, he yeah. never worked out. He looked like a guy who just spent his whole life in the gym, but he was just doing push-ups and pull-ups and whatever else, body weight stuff That's he what did. He, said, he was yeah. unbelievable athlete, yeah. But I don't know. Do you guys want to do a challenge? you want to do like a push-up yeah, challenge? Yeah, DJ will do it. We'll, we'll, talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. We can talk about it next week. Maybe we can get 
the whole station involved. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be doing you one-handed know? push-ups in no time. <laughs> no time at all. Thanks, Sly. Yeah. All right, Frank, we got to run. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game. We will talk to you next week. All right. Week. You, you guys are the best. Hey, thanks. Right. I appreciate it. Frank Dolce, you hear him on all the shows all week long right here on The Zone talking to you football. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, is coming up at 9.05. And it's the way the industry works. Isn't right, but it also isn't surprising. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.